This is a Woodside Church podcast. Um, Really nice to be with you today. We have the luxury, because of a pre-arranged uh, prior to our booking, uh, booking of uh, Great Denham Community Hall that we use uh, for our meetings in the West. Uh, something else was booked there this morning, our meetings this afternoon. So things like the cake sale is going on all day. Uh, we have a four o'clock meeting this afternoon at Great Denham. And uh, so at 5.30ish, 5.15, 5.30, uh, after I've preached there, which we'll be doing again, uh, we will have uh, be munching through the remainder of Impact's cakes, the ones that you've made, and folk in the West are bringing some more. Uh, so, but it's a real joy just to be with uh, the East Site services all the way through, and you're doing really well. Uh, God's God's with you. I mean, it's just with us because uh, it's the same. It's still one church, and the wonderful thing about the West is that it still feels like this. It feels like Woodside. Because it is Woodside. Um, and just like here, uh, we're finding loads and loads of new people coming in. Uh, many of whom we had no previous contact with. Many of whom living in uh, Great Denham or the area of Kempston around where the New Little is, if you know where that is, all around the bypass area. People looking for a church who've recently moved in. And a number who didn't think they were going to look for a church until they had one of our leaflets through the door and thought they'd give it a try. And are coming back again and again, not yet believers, but seriously asking the questions that I believe is going to, are going to lead them to faith. And this is why we're doing this. Uh, and it's wonderful. Do you know, last week, I didn't say this in the first service, um, our total numbers for the whole church, three services, were 456. Uh, attended a, a Woodside service last week, uh, which is unprecedented. You know, end of half term uh, and so forth. Um, it, it, God is on the move. He's doing some things. He led us to do what we're doing uh, with one church, two sites and three services. And even in the early stages, uh, we're seeing the benefits of that. And the number of people coming through, uh, both east and west, leading in different areas where you didn't lead before, um, working so hard uh, to make this happen. It's just wonderful and a real testimony to the heart, the servant heart that God has put uh, in us as a church. So I could go on and on about that for probably about half an hour. In fact, I could do because um, pretty much uh, Paul Hector, when he brought his contribution, preached my message today. Uh, so well done, Paul. Uh, and uh, so you've heard it already uh, but what we're, we're doing, we're going through the DNA series, and uh, if you noticed, uh, uh, the way we describe uh, who we are as a church, which isn't just unique to Woodside, of course, but something where we've worked hard to uh, really see, well, what makes Woodside Woodside? Uh, and we've been uh, two, two weeks at a time looking at different couplets, if you like, words that go together, grace and truth. Martin, in the first two weeks, brilliantly uh, just reminded us and taught into that. And then the last two weeks, uh, we had Rich and then Dave Devonish, 
um, on uh, serving the community and reflecting the community. So I'm launching off the next two uh, where we're looking at knowing the word and the power of the spirit. Adrian's following next week. Adrian Horner will be uh, teaching us on knowing the power of the spirit in our lives. Uh, This week I'm focusing in on knowing the word. And sometimes churches and Christians will have a stronger emphasis on one of those than the other. You get some who say, well, it's all about doctrine and theology and good teaching, and it's all about the word. But sometimes you wonder, well, has it really come alive? Uh, But it's very important. And others, you know, it's all about the spontaneity and being filled with the spirit and tongues and prophecy and who knows what else might happen. Uh, Anything, you know, we're open for anything. Well, actually, that's also very important. Uh, but it's not one or the other, it's both and. And something that we feel very, very important is that we're a people of the word. And if we're a people of the word, we will be a people of the spirit because the word is full of teaching on the experiential nature of the Christian walk with the Holy Spirit. Uh, And that's all there too. So what I'm going to do is... Um, take us to uh, one passage in the Old Testament, just five verses, Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11, where we're going to look at um, the, what it really means to know the Word of God. What does it actually look like? And as we look at that, um, we're going to bring out some things from those five verses, uh, many of which will be extremely familiar to us, but I trust will kindle a flame afresh within us and set us motivated afresh in heart and mind to be really digging into what God has given us. What a gift. I love this book. Um, It's God's word. And kindle us afresh to be digging deep and to be loving uh, the book that God has given us, the Bible. So we're going to read then uh, Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11. Now it starts, I'm going to actually read it from this. At the very beginning, it's not on the, on the screen as you see that, but the very beginning of the psalm, which is a wonderful psalm, um, it starts like this. For the choir director, a psalm of David. I'll come on to that a bit later. Verse 7. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They're more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. Let's pray together, shall we? Father God, we just pray that you'd kindle a flame afresh in our own hearts. That this word would do us good. And feed us. And motivate us and equip us further in our walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now David, who wrote Psalm 19, described God's word, as we saw, with different words, instructions, decrees, commands, laws. In other versions, older versions, uh, words like precepts and statutes. And this wasn't an exhaustive list because, of course, we know that there's also narrative in the Bible, stories. Um, There are words of wisdom, words of praise and prophetic writing. Um, And in other words, all of the words of the Lord are beneficial. That's really what he's saying here. And he's trying to encapsulate it by bringing in different categories. In fact, Paul, when he's writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, says this, All scripture is inspired by God is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And in Psalm 19 and 2 Timothy and many other references, they make it crystal clear that God's word produces changes in our lives by working on the inside of us. So, for example, when Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, he said this, You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And then look at this. And this word continues to work in you who believe. Paul quoted, but in the worship time, Hebrews 4.12, The word of God is alive And powerful. It's sharper than a sharpest two edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Colossians 3 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If you know the parable of the sower that Jesus spoke about, he speaks about the word of God being like seed planted into a good and honest heart. And when it's planted in such a heart, it will produce a harvest. Why? Because it's working on the inside of us. See, God's word is not, it's not an academic exercise. This is living, this is powerful, and it transforms our lives. So in Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11, I'm going to just look at Two questions that these verses answer about God's word. The first question is this. How does God's word change us on the inside? So how how does that happen? Describe it, please. And then secondly, how can we let this happen? So in Psalm 19, 7 to 11, it gives us five ways that God's word works in us. And here's the first. It revives us. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, verse 7, reviving the soul. It gives healing to the whole person by leading us to forgiveness and cleansing and by giving us life. I mean, we can come to Christ by receiving and reading and and believing what God says in his word. Um, We can read things like, we were dead in our sins, but now we've been made alive with Christ. God's word keeps us alive. Uh, It can bring us to faith, but it can keep us alive too. There are times when we need hope. God's word will give you the hope that you need. There are times when you need encouragement. God's word will give you encouragement when you need it. There are times when the wind's been taken out of your sails. You just feel the stuffing's been knocked out of you because of certain circumstances. God's word will fill you again with faith. There are times when you're going through grief and difficulty. God's word will bring comfort and help. 
There are times when you're confused and don't know which way to turn. God's word will give you direction. There are times when God's word will challenge and come across and say, this is not the way to walk. There are times when the, when the word will affirm and encourage you in the way that you're going. God's word is living and it revives, it keeps us alive in our walk with God. It revives us, it keeps us alive. The second thing is, it makes us wise. The decrees of the Lord, verse 7 again, are trustworthy, making wise the simple. You see, it's not to do with academic ability. And that's the wonderful thing about God's word. You think, well, I'm not very, you know, I, I'm not really academic. I'm not one for books. Well, that's, that's fine. But it's not about that. It's God speaks. Um, uh, as, as we uh, read the word of God or listen to it, if someone else is reading it to us, either over, a, uh, a, a, um, over the internet or whatever way, or someone just doing that for you, um, it, it's actually to do with revelation. God opening our eyes. So the psalmist in Psalm 119 just says this, Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. And it's a wonderful thing for, to be in the Word of God and suddenly see things. I don't know if you had ever had the experience where you're reading a passage and you've read it time and time again and suddenly you see something brand new you've never seen before. Think, how did that happen? I've never seen that. That happened to me about the grace of God, and it was all over the book. But there was a time when I hadn't seen it. There was time about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I, I, you know, I hadn't seen it, and suddenly it's everywhere. Where did that come from? Well, it was always there. It was written hundreds of thousands of years ago. But the wonderful thing is God opens our eyes to see wonderful truths in his word, to make us wise. And Jesus speaks of the wise person who's like the man who comes to him, hears his word, comes to him and builds their life on the rock. On what? On Jesus and what he has said. And that wise man, wise person, wise man or woman, when the storm comes will remain firm. You see, there's something with the wisdom of God that helps us stand firm whatever the circumstances that happen to be that face us. James talks about the wise person who isn't tossed to and fro like the wave in the wind. There's a wisdom that comes from knowing and learning and understanding God's word. But it's by revelation that it comes. God speaking to us directly. He makes wise the simple. It doesn't say the clever and the academic. And I like that. Thirdly, it brings us joy. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. Wow, that's good. Psalm 119, 1 and 2. Joyful are the people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for them with all of their hearts. You can encounter God when you read his word. Meet with him personally afresh. And I tell you what, that doesn't give a lot of joy. And the fourth thing it actually says, verse 8, is it gives insight for living. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. And you read the Bible, you find out how to live life as God intends. As a single person. In the workplace. In marriage and family life. 
when handling money and material things, how to overcome anxiety, help with decision-making, and how to go about making decisions, how to grow in our relationship with God and with others. In fact, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Helps us when things are going wrong. It gives us insight as to what to do about it. And it's a wonderful gift to us. And then the fifth thing, sorry, it revives us, it makes us wise, it brings us joy, insight for living, it creates reverence for the Lord. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. Now reverence is a feeling of deep respect and awe for someone. In other words, the word of God gives us the wow factor in our relationship with God. It gives us the wow factor about God himself and how amazing he is, how deep and how wide and how long and how, how, how broad his love is for us, how incredible his grace is, what an incredible thing he did for us through his death on the cross and what an amazing powerful act in the whole of history uh, when he rose again from the dead on the third day. I mean it goes on and on and on and the more we read it, the more we get into it, the more we see it for what it is uh, as God's word the more our reverence for the Lord increases. When I was in my 20s, I was a zealous young leader, uh, and uh, outwardly my zeal would have appeared to be more. I think it's probably bigger now, but it doesn't necessarily show quite the same way. Old. Oh, you just get older, you know. It's harder to dance in worship these days, particularly with a gammy knee. Um, but uh, I tell you what, I used to think I knew an awful lot about God when I was in my 20s. Looking back, now I'm in my 60s, I know an awful lot more. But what I also know is how much I don't yet know and how much more there is yet to know about him than I really realised when I was in my 20s. He is so vast and big and glorious and sovereign and Lord and Lord of history and creator and redeemer and he's bringing this whole story of the whole universe to a conclusion which is all going to be wrapped up in Christ and we will have a new heaven and a new earth. I mean it goes on and on and on and it's just a wonderful thing the word of God gives us a reverence for God God you are amazing type feel in our own hearts where does that come from well Psalm 19 tells us it comes from the word of God isn't it wonderful so that's um, just to, to whet our appetites. Um, and the more we know God's word, the more we grow in all of those five things that Psalm uh, 19 mentions. So God's word can change us on the inside. I think that's clear. So here's the next thing, though. And it is a problem. It's not automatic. There are things that we need to do to benefit from what the Word of God actually does on the inside. And here, Psalm 19, 7 to 11, these verses, they give us four things for us to do. And the first of those is take time to read it. We need to desire God's Word. Now, there's a parallel with riches and with food. Let's have a look at the riches first of all, where it says... They are more desirable, this is the word of God, more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. 
Now, if you desire, as everybody does, um, income, money, uh, we all need it. It's not wrong to desire it. It's, uh, we're not to serve it, but we need it. Um, all of us, if you think about it, spend time in order to earn it, to build up a pension, to run the car, to pay the mortgage or the rent, to put food on the table, clothes on the children's uh, uh, bodies, uh, and whatever else we might happen to need it for. Whether it be at a menial level uh, or a more lavish level, one of the things all of us do is spend time, even when you're studying, before you're actually at a job. Why are you studying? You're spending time so one day you'll be able to earn a living in a fulfilling, God-given way. It's a good thing. But we spend time to do it. But what this psalmist is saying, what David is saying is, the word of God is even more desirable than that. And if you spend time on that, don't forget to spend time on this as well. Because there are greater riches from God's word than anywhere else in the whole of the universe. And if you desire God's word, you need to read it, listen to it. Um, Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. This is very intentional. It's not quick read, put it down. What was that? I forgot all about it already. It's actually digesting it, which takes us to the next point, which is God's word is better than any fine food. They're sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. Jesus said, man shall not live, quoting from Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, what the psalmist is saying here is it makes us spiritually healthy. It fulfills a God-given hunger within. You are rich when the word of God dwells in you. And you are satisfied with him. A couple of years ago, Catherine and I went on holiday to Shropshire. We had a few hours in a lovely little town, Ludlow, with lots of Tudor houses and things like this. And as we were walking uh, just down one of the main shopping areas, we went past a bookshop and there was a poster outside trying to entice people in, a uh, second-hand bookshop, which, which just, uh, I just liked it. It was a quote from Cicero. I mean, this is talking about hundreds of years ago. Uh, I think it'll just go up on the screen. Um, but it just literally says, a room without books is like a body without a soul. Now, let me tell you uh, that that is not a Bible quote. Uh, that is not entirely biblical. Uh, I just liked it. Uh, Catherine and I, in our house, uh, we've got books in most of our rooms, not the toilet, I have to say. Uh, don't encourage people to spend too long in there. Uh, but... Uh, in most of the rooms in the house, we've, 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 got, we've got books. We just love books, in reference books, uh, you know, book novels, and uh, particularly reference books, actually. Atlases, I love atlases, you know, geographer and all the rest of it. Um, but do you know what? I like that quote. But if you took every book away, please don't take this one. Because I couldn't do without this one, I could do without all the others. And it made me think, that quote, 
And I've just done my own Cicero-style quotes. The first one is this one. A Christian with an unread Bible will be spiritually poor and malnourished. Gulp. Or put it in a positive, a Christian with a well-read Bible will be spiritually rich, healthy, and strong. Which one are you right now? Let me appeal to you. It makes all the world of difference. Now, just to encourage you, let's just think about how we have our meals for a moment. You know, uh, it's likening the word of God to good, fine food. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes we just, I just grab a bowl of cereal quick and then I'm out the door in the morning. Doesn't take very long, you know, three minutes in the bowl, milk on, you know, as long as it's the suitable type of cereal, not the crunchy stuff that takes ages to chew. You know, it can go down the gullet very quickly and we're out. You know, or, a, or a, uh, you know, sometimes it's just a, you quickly grab a sandwich lunchtime and then you get on with what you've got to do. Well, that's better than nothing. It's essential to have something to sustain you for the day. And there are the occasions that you sit with family or friends and you just savour a meal in a restaurant or at home or somewhere and it might take an hour or two as you linger over each tasty morsel on your plate. Do you know both are good? Don't think, well, because I can't do the fine meal every day in terms of God's word, it's not worth doing at all. Even if it's five minutes, even if it's one minute, even if you just write out a verse, stick it in your pocket and take it around with you all day and meditate on it when you can, something is better than nothing and it will do you good. So... The second thing the psalm says is choose to believe it. By the words that David uses to describe God's word in Psalm 19, he's encouraging us to believe God's word. So in verse 9, the laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. Now that gives confidence and security that God's word can be trusted. But the other verses we've already read, the way he describes them, the instructions of the Lord are perfect. He talks about them being trustworthy, right and clear. And because the very one, God himself, whose word it is, says these things, we trust him and we trust his word. Because the word doesn't originate from man, but it originates from God himself. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We can trust him. It's to do with relationship with him. And we can trust God, we trust his word. We trust his word and we trust God even more. And then thirdly, choose to declare it. It's interesting that I read the introduction to the psalm and I did it quite deliberately when I read the passage in the first place because it says, for the choir director, a psalm of David. Now, we don't often read those bits and think much about them. But do you realize what it's saying? It's actually saying that this, these words are to be declared. They're to be, in this case, sung out by a choir publicly so that people can hear them. And God's word is a word to declare. And sometimes we can think about, oh yeah, right, reading it, listening to it, uh, believing it. 
but actually, have you ever tried declaring it too? And that's where I love what Paul was contributing in the worship, because he, he was getting on to uh, that as well. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, wrote uh, of Psalm 19, the whole psalm, which is a wonderful psalm. He says, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. What are lyrics for? They're for speaking out. They're for sharing. They're for telling others about. It's written to be declared. So speak to God what his word is. Remind him what you're believing. You said, Lord, I am the Lord, your healer. You said, I am your provider. So therefore, I'm coming to you in faith, believing what you say in your word about yourself and trusting in you. Speak to yourself. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me when you're going to that interview and you know you need God's help. And it's, it's speak to others if you need to in an appropriate way to encourage them. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, how did he resist the temptation? He spoke the very word of God and the devil left him. I love this and I'm going to just read this, Psalm 92. This is particularly for those who are getting riper in age. You ready? Verses 12, 14 and 15. And this is a lovely palm tree in its full bearing fruit that Catherine and I saw in Israel just two or three months ago. If you can get on to that one. But the godly, it's not going to come up, is it? There it is. The godly will flourish like palm trees. Isn't that good? And grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. Hmm, that's good. There's a pun there, a personal one to me and Catherine. They will declare, and this is it, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. Do you see that? As we grow in God, let's declare what God says about himself. Let's be glad about it. Let's do it in song. Let's do it in speech. Let's do it to ourselves. Declare God's word and uh, be glad in that. I love that. And then finally, choose to act on it. They are a warning to your servant. Talks about two things in terms of acting on it and great reward for those who obey him. Psalm 19.11. Now warnings keep us safe. If you drive or cycle, you'll know how important road signs are. You know when you get to a certain junction and it says give way, you need to take note. Because if you don't, there's the possibility that you might drive or cycle right in front of ongoing traffic and it could be a disaster. See, warnings are good and warnings are helpful. And the Bible is full of warnings. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't let a root of bitterness spring up and give the devil an opportunity. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. The devil is like a roaring lion uh, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. And in due time, God will restore, support, strengthen you and place you on a firm foundation. Remember, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we could go on and on and on with warnings that the Bible gives us that we should take heed of and then be blessed by through experiencing God's protection. But also reward. Reward for those that obey him. So 
Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. There's reward in that. Great reward in doing so. Seek first the kingdom of God. There's great reward in that. And all these things will be added to you. When you pray, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. There's great reward in that. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. There's great reward in that. It's sad when people say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Bible. But their lives don't reflect it. James says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So, knowing the word of God is essential for us as individuals, is essential for us as a part of our DNA, Woodside Church. We desire humbly, do we not, to build our lives and church life on the word of God and adjust to it accordingly which is a lifelong process. By reading it, believing it, declaring it, and acting on it, you will find, as it says in Psalm 19, your soul is revived, you grow in wisdom, you have joy in your heart, you have insight for living, you develop pure reverence for the Lord, you're confident that what God says is trustworthy and true, you desire God's word more than any material possession or fine food, And in heeding the warnings of God's word, and by obeying what it says, we are promised great reward. Colossians 3.16 reminds us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. People of the word, and a people, as we'll see next week, of the spirit. We want to be faithful to the word, and full of God's spirit. What is there not to like about that? Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we thank you for the precious gift of the Bible, your word, inspired by you through the pen of many others, of your servants through the generations. And Lord, we thank you that in your word is great treasure. Help us practically to Treat our Bibles like gold mines, like diamond mines, digging deep for treasure within. Help us to have a listening ear, to be hearing, and obedient hearts to be responding to what you say. Help us not to be those that just rely on the odd sermon here or there, but who for ourselves, like the Bereans in the Acts, we read, they go back. And they search through the scriptures for themselves to feed on your word, which gives strength, wisdom, joy, revives us and enables us in life to live the way you intend. Help us, motivate us afresh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.